Season four of Bravo and Blaze with Jenny Blaze is coming to an end today, but I want to make sure I give you all a very huge thank you for supporting and interacting with us on this journey. I would have never have guessed we'd be where we are today. So thank you so, so, so much. This episode is part two of my interview with Len May, who is the CEO and co-founder of Endocana Health. Endocana Health has multiple genetic tests that have an integration with 23andMe and other genetic tests like Ancestry.com and other brands so that you can get their reports seamlessly. In fact, if you're interested in doing this for yourself, you can use code BB20 at endodna.com. All the links are available in the show notes. Before we get into my results, I just want to remind anyone who is listening that this is my personal health information that I am offering to share with you all in an effort to have others potentially improve their health and well-being. This is by no means any medical or legal advice, and I hope nobody weaponizes this information against me as I've had a cyber attack in the past, which you can hear all about by clicking on this card right here. I'm not sure which corner it's in. Also, I want to make sure I remind you all to join our Scannable Trauma Bonding Group. I'm recapping each episode of Vanderpump Rules Season 10 because there is a lot to dig out. On Patreon, we also have our content creation behind-the-scenes group. We are currently going through the Creator Professional Step-by-Step Guide to Creating Your Own Digital Brand from Scratch. This group also includes a monthly one-on-one coaching session. Yours truly. Make sure to subscribe to YouTube as well. While we're on this break from the podcast, I may be doing shorter video updates. Um, Like I went live today to talk about Ariana's dress that I have also. We're twins. Well, also because there's so much going on with her Glad ad, her confirmation of being a guest on Love Island. What else? There's an Emmy nomination, three Emmy nominations for Vanderpump Rules. We've had Tom Sandoval try to, I think he was just trying to like make fetch happen or something by calling TMZ, but basically they started talking about Adele and I'm sorry, but Tom Sandoval, how dare you? You wish Adele called you trash, okay? Make sure you subscribe to YouTube because I'll be giving those types of updates on there as well. And last but not least, we are planning for BravoCon. So make sure to fill out the Google form at the link below in the show notes so we can best plan a good as gold pre-BravoCon, BravoCon Eve experience in Las Vegas, which will be held at Caesars Palace, November 3rd to 5th. Make sure you get there early though, because our event will be November 2nd. gorgeous welcome to bravo and please where we're going to get lit off all the latest going on in the bravo tv world this is a safe and uncensored space to discuss our love for everything pop culture and 420 related so grab your can of goodies and let's get lit let's go for it let's see what all my issues are by the way i like briefly looked through this and I thought it might be interesting if people who took this test, they actually went through and put down what they thought could be the case for them and then see their results and see how off they are. Because I think some of them, I was like, wait a minute. I don't know if I would have thought that beforehand, but now it's like messing with my psyche, I think. (laughs) 
that's, maybe that's in a good why, way or a bad way. I don't know. That's why we have care counselors in place to help guide people through the report. Oh, that's lovely. I'll stop talking. You can go ahead and walk. No, no. <laughs> when you actually uploaded your report or your swab and you register, this is what you would get when your results are ready. So when you upload, it's probably about 30 seconds or so. And then uh, it takes several weeks to get your results uh, when you send the sample. But when you get your email, the results are ready. Uh, this is your dashboard. So on your dashboard, as I was mentioning, you have a complimentary concierge uh, call with a care counselor. And the reason why we do that is to make sure that people complete their health profile, which is really important for a baseline. And also to explain the how to read the report so we can answer any specific questions somebody may have. So on the dashboard, you have your DNA results, you have your health profile, you have a drug-to-drug -drug interaction report, and on all those, uh, build your personalized wellness plan. So let's start with you, your DNA results. So these are the different categories for the reports, and the categories are based on symptomatic conditions, uh, mostly associated with the endocannabinoid system, why people use cannabis, and what are the symptomatic conditions associated with that. Um, so these are different categories, anxiety, cognitive function, digestive, drug, dependence, fitness, immune, metabolic function, mood, uh, musculoskeletal, nutrient, pain, sleep, THC side effects, and vitamins. And so as I'm going to expand these out, I just want to explain that it's color-coded. So green means that there is no variant detected. So there's no genetic risk associated with this symptomatic condition. Yellow means there's a variant, only one. So there is a slight risk of that symptomatic condition expressing itself. And red means multiple variants. So it's an exponentially higher chance of that symptomatic condition expressing itself. So I'll go into each category, I'll expand and see if there's anything else uh, that we need to address. And I'll kind of go through one or two of the reports and sure. uh, take them all the way to fruition. And by the way, if you have specific questions about it, just feel free to ask. Uh, I do. As well. Okay. I have well, a question about the first one. Okay. What does fear extinction mean? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's really <clears throat> interesting and kind of rare that you have uh, no stress reactivity markers or PTSD, but you have one for slow rate of fear extinction. Yeah. So slow rate of fear extinction. What that means is that when we have a traumatic event happens in our lives, we take that traumatic event and we store that in our subconscious. Our brain is looking to conserve energy, unless we have a neurological issue where we deal with trauma all the time, and PTSD is associated with that too. So when we have a traumatic, when we have a stressful event under a lot of duress and stress, we're not, people that have a slow rate of fear extinction, they sometimes bring up the traumatic event that happened in the past to deal with in the present. So an example of that would be yeah. if I'm going through a stressful event, a really stressful event, it may bring up the time that I was hit on my bicycle when I was nine years old by a car. That was right. a traumatic event for me. So I'm not just dealing with the issue in hand right now, whatever the stress is, but also mm. pull that out of my subconscious. So it could be a pretty intense experience for certain people. It's yellow. It's only mm. one report. It may or may not be the case, but it's something to be aware of especially knowing yourself, if you're actually going through yeah. stress events, if you're pulling up something that traumatic that happened to you, that may be the, the epigenetic expression of that genetic predisposition. So, you know, I've told you the story about my CHS and everything. And 
before I had CHS, I, when I gave birth, I think it was my third child. I actually, no, my first and my third, I was vomiting. And I don't know, after I told you, after, you know, I went through my stillbirth and my hormones changed and everything, that's when I started going to the hospital for CHS. And that same feeling was, is like kind of in line with what I was experiencing when they said I had CHS. So I wonder if like, maybe that causes having this gene could maybe, you know, contribute to my CHS being triggered. Yeah, well, there is there is a specific genetic test for CHS uh, mm-hmm. that looks at about five or six different genetic markers. But I can I can tell you in the study that we did on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, we saw a pattern in our cohort that related to about four specific uh, genotypes, and the association was poor metabolizers. So one of the cytochrome genes, which I'll go into in a little bit in your re- report. Uh, stress, absolutely, uh, and it's the cannabinoid receptor genes, similar to CNR2, which is the gene related to fear extinction, and also something called TRPV1, which is another gene, and all those have a association with a condition called cyclic vomiting syndrome, and we'll see mm-hmm. that if you're, you're predisposed to that. So what happened basically to people they under duress of stress. And by the way, that stress can be caused by free radical and andamide that's flowing into your bloodstream. What I mean by that is if you have, if you have too much THC, you're taking too much, you have that CB1 receptor binding, and then you're an andamide, which is expressed when you consume THC. If you have too much, your immune system will overreact to that in some way. And what'll happen is it'll send a signal through your vagus nerve all the way mm-hmm. to your gut. And that's where the gut and brain communicate. Mm-hmm. And if you have a predisposition to, you know, gut health issues or cyclic vomiting, it can actually turn those switches on. So yeah. I'm not here to say, is it CHS? Is yeah. it not? We're not diagnosing, but the pattern in mm-hmm. the study that we did is very, very similar. And, and for people in general, they should understand that there is a, a huge correlation between your your brain and your gut. They communicate with each other through the stages. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if we have stress and any of these other conditions and we have predispositions in our gut, that can trigger uh, those things. And uh, you can take too much of anything, you know, too much yeah. sugar, too much caffeine, and too much THC is definitely something that we've been, I just got back from uh, Mexico and I was given a talk about this specific uh, issue where people People who need cannabis as their medicine, they're having a very hard time finding a ratio that makes sense in states that went, uh, you know, recreational or, or adult use, because you have a hundred different concentrates that are there, but you have very few options for maybe a one-to-one, maybe a four-to-one type of product that has higher CBD, mm-hmm. a lower THC, and the specific terpenes. So that's, it, you know, the products are changing a lot based on, you know, where the industry is moving. And I think that's right. Um, so uh, did I answer your question about fear extinction? Yeah, I think, um, well, it's just interesting knowing my body and like what I've gone through for the last 41 years of my life. It's just interesting to see well, it, what the results are. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, 
we know ourselves and a lot of the things I think you mentioned, uh, you know, we should actually take a look and see, do we, are we right about ourselves? Or are we wrong about ourselves? A lot of times we're right about ourselves. We know this to be mm-hmm. true and it's just highlighted with, oh, this is the reason why. But some of us are very surprised, but are we really surprised? <laughs> because maybe we're just in denial a little yeah, bit. So. <laughs> exactly. Sure. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, have I been in denial or like, maybe I'm, it's like more about awareness. I don't know. How aware are you of your body? And this is like giving us scientific proof of how close we are, how far off we are. So uh, like, I love dairy. Well, (laughs) like I said, you have, so looking at dairy, just, just so we can lactose intolerance. uh, Mm -hmm. You have at least one uh, genotype associated with developing lactose intolerance, the gene called MCM, uh, MCM6. So you have one of them says, it says you have a decreased, decreased risk of experiencing lactose intolerance. So this is a great example. What you just said, just because you have a genetic predisposition, it's not always, or is an increased risk. It can be on the lower side as well. Hmm. You can have a genetic predisposition to having a lower risk of of lactose intolerance. So mm-hmm. I went, I was speaking to these uh, doctors who are doing some amazing things with stem cells and natural killer cells. And they said, one of the things that people talk about is overactive immune response. We just mentioned it, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about under reactive immune response. So sometimes your immune doesn't respond the way it should. And that's why, you know, disease are triggered as well. So mm-hmm. getting that homeostasis and balance is yeah. key. You don't want too much of something or too yeah. little of something. And so you're, you're right on. See, your gut, you're like, I love dairy. Great. Well, <laughs> you're, you have a decreased risk of experiencing lactose intolerance, which is also uh, good to know. You, you know, you can eat as much cheese as you want. <laughs> um, let's see what else. All right, metabolism. <clears throat> so I'm nothing, <laughs> there's nothing major here because- <clears throat> There's nothing that's red, so you don't have multiple genes, but there are some genetic predispositions to slower metabolism of caffeine, mm-hmm. of carbohydrates, of fat, and uh, saturated fat. So just things that uh, you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, once again, since nothing is red, so it's not multiple genes, it's one, yeah. so it could, or, or could not be, but uh, something to be aware of, of just you know being slower metabolizer of some of these uh, caffeine yeah clearly i don't even drink coffee because it like makes me feel weird well but i'll drink tea (laughs) (laughs) well tea does have caffeine but a smaller amounts of caffeine you know just because you're a slower metabolizer it just means that it takes that caffeine to uh, go through your body at a slower rate so it stays there a little bit longer so maybe the jitters come come in and it lasts mm. a little bit longer than people i'm an ultra rapid metabolizer of caffeine i'm mm. i can drink a which i just recently did i had an espresso that was so like it was like mud and i fell asleep <laughs> like literally 10 oh minutes my gosh after. <laughs> that happens to me sometimes too i thought that i was like the only one i'm like of course no. this is that's no coffee coffee like doesn't doesn't in the morning i think i'm so used to it but like i can i can drink coffee and fall asleep it's not an issue um, um okay 
mood. So response to social, overall happiness, response to social situations and seasonal mood problems. Uh, I'll dive into that a little bit more in, in more detail. So uh, overall happiness is, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. There's a gene for that There's where people are just generally happier. Uh, well, let's see what it says. So you have at least one endocannabis and genotype that could affect overall happiness. Overall happiness genes are <clears throat> part of the endocannabinoid system, actually. And uh, you turn in pen culture, United States, a slightly lower level of overall happiness. So yes, there are some reports uh, and some studies that have showed that people that have a what's called homozygous uh, genotype, which is a CC, that have showed that they have an association with lower happiness. And what does overall happiness mean? Overall happiness. Oops. Yeah, isn't that like subjective though? <laughs> consists of emotions such as positive well-being, uh, pleasantness, or joy. It describes how you feel on average over a long period of time as opposed to how you feel in one particular moment. So what they have, if you know, interviewed people over time and people mm -hmm. that have this genotype seem to overall report that they're less happy than people with a different genotype. Mm, I think that there is a correlation between the overall happiness and the seasonal mood problems. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I already knew, like if, like I was saying, if I had to guess beforehand, I would have definitely been like, yes, seasonal mood problems for sure. I talk about that all the time. Oh, well, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm from Philly. I live in LA for the last 15 years. And then my, my parents were just visiting. They're like, uh, it's so expensive here. I'm like, yeah, but I'm paying the sunshine tax. Like you don't understand. <laughs> like sitting in Philly in miserable weather. And, and this year they had Ugh. good weather. But sitting in the winter time, or or when it rains all the time, or, yes, or it's cloudy. It yes, it affects me. I wake me. up in the, I wake up in the morning. I open up my uh, my window, and it's like sun. Yeah. Wow, I I I'm paying for my mental well being. Yeah, that, yeah. That seasonal mood problem is so prevalent. I can feel myself, and I don't know how you, how you feel. It's uh, oh, you I have can feel. Yeah, I even got one of those light therapies or therapy lights right. <laughs> and I think it actually does help me because I'm like yeah this feeling of having a bright light does affect me and then when I wake up and it's <clears> cloudy <throat> or you know like in the winter when we have short days I'm just like this needs to be done well, <laughs> it's <Dr>. sad <laughs> Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about this all the time and he says okay the sun we need vitamin d we all know we need vitamin mm -hmm. d and a lot of us are deficient in vitamin d but the mm -hmm. one thing that I think that he talks about that people gloss over is this idea of cortisol production. So the mm. first thing in the morning, when you have sun, you're actually producing a cortisol, which gives you that, that lift up. Like yeah. you feel better in the morning, getting out of bed on a day that's rainy and cloudy and it's cold, and it's miserable. You don't want to get out of bed, no. but when you have sun in your, in your face and you have that, it actually gets you going because it stimulates yeah. that cortisol production along mm -hmm. with vitamin D, et cetera. So, yes. so I correlate that to overall happiness of people that are triggered, that are living in a climate that has maybe four seasons or, you know, like the Pacific Northwest that is very rainy and, and, and dreary, um, you know, for the, me. The, the, the Seattle. <laughs> that's, that's why the music was, uh, was sad. Excellent music. Yeah. 
pretty sad. Um, Grunge era. Exactly. All right. So nutrient, uh, nutrients, uh, uh, iron deficiency. So it's something that I would be aware of is if I was changing my diet from a meat eater to uh, a vegan or a vegetarian, something you may want to subsidize uh, for. Yeah. Uh, selenium and zinc. Selenium is uh, inflammatory, like anti-inflammatory. So if you're not producing that, something, again, you may want to subsidize uh, with as a, as a supplement or a nutrient. And uh, zinc levels uh, also. You do not have a predisposition to, uh, to cyclic vomiting syndrome. See, this is where I would have checked yes. And <laughs> it's saying that I don't. And that's why I'm like confused but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean <laughs> that it doesn't mean that vomiting and nausea can't occur from something else uh, yeah. that's happening in your system a lot of people have this correlation between you know stress and stomach issues so yeah predispositional ibd other things like that that can be triggered uh through that as well also i'll get opiate sensitivity so you have a predisposition to opiate sensitivity, but I'm going to go into the sleep one because I want to correlate uh, this a little bit. So bruxism is grinding your teeth and you have a, a bruxism and insomnia gene. So oh. I don't know I don't know if you, this is something that you actually do or not. I've had the bruxism gene, which is grinding your teeth, but I've never used to grind my teeth. And during uh, COVID, I went to get my teeth cleaned and they're saying, oh, you're grinding your teeth. You need a night guard. I'm like, no, it's not. No, I don't grind my teeth. Like, <laughs> no, look, look at the x-rays before. I'll show you exactly where. And you can see, I'm like, what, what happened? When did this start? You so did it. <laughs> I had this predisposition. And through stress, it actually oh, got it triggered it. Yeah. Yes, I see what you're saying. So, when I was young, the- I used to grind my teeth. My parents used to tell me that all the time, but I don't think I do that anymore. But I, I see what you're saying. So like, it's this isn't saying like you definitely have some kind of issue. It's just that you're predisposed to it, and it can be like triggered. That makes correct. Sense. It can be triggered, and something you like the way I try to tell people this is sort of your GPS unit. Like sometimes the ways when you're when you're driving, I'll ask you, hey. Is the police car still there? Is a pothole still there? So you're you're epigenetically giving the thumbs up. Yes, you're verifying, you're validating, but it's telling you that there may be a traffic jam, uh, and it can change because you know traffic will move or the accident has been cleared. Right. But this is your GPS of life, so you want to avoid the potholes in the road or or try to do something to mitigate those, because right. in a perfect storm, those are the kind of things that happen. Especially if you have a predisposition predisposition to insomnia. So if it's taking you a long time to fall asleep, if it's taking you, uh, if you're waking up and you're not getting your good quality sleep, well, what will happen is if you're not resetting, you, you may feel uh, during the day, you may feel a little bit of um, stress and anxiety. And you sort of in this hamster wheel because you're not getting mm-hmm. your good restful, good like mm-hmm. delta and theta sleep. So you're mm-hmm. just on this hamster wheel, you may be agitated. And if you're, if that's the case, you're also triggering other genetic predispositions during the day. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and then after a while through stress, it can actually trigger bruxism, grind your teeth. And if that's the case, you're still not getting your good quality sleep because 
you're, you're grinding your teeth. So addressing stress that you have during the day before mm -hmm. you go to sleep is a great yeah. way to be able to mitigate that. So oh, yeah. meditation, yoga, mantra, mm -hmm. You know, oh, weed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, cannabis. Great. Exactly. Great, great uh, segue to bring that up because one of the things that I've been I've been talking to people about is people, you know, smoking weed. Like, oh, I'll just, you know, do a few bong rips and I'll go, I'll go to sleep. Well, if you're taking too much THC and 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 also terpene profiles and may stimulate GABA and dopamine, like sativa dominant you'll still get active brain. And if you're getting active brain, you may be sleeping, but you're not getting your good restful sleep. So mm -hmm. something you want to measure with a wearable device or your aura ring or anything like that, make sure that it's not only the length of time that you're sleeping, but it's the quality. Quality, yeah. Quality sleep. So bruxism, insomnia, if you're, if you're stressed and you feel yourself grinding, if your you know, jaw hurts or anything like that when you wake up, just uh, be aware of, of that as well. And uh, I, I definitely suggest not um, not high levels of uh, uh, THC, but something that has THC, something that's uh, sedative and calming, uh, like mm -hmm. myrcene, linalool, those types of terpenes. Uh, THC side effects, nothing major, working memory impairment. So uh, I think that's everybody uh, sometimes uh, uh, <clears throat> consuming cannabis, uh, I'm looking for my glasses for a half an hour and they're actually sitting on top of my head. So I forget what I'm saying. Like, as I'm explaining something, usually that's my that's, biggest side effect. I'm like, Oh shoot. I forgot. What that's, that's working. Was. That's working memory impairment. That is exactly yeah. working memory impairment. So it's it. And, and by the way, it's not, it's a temporary thing while your receptor, your CB1 receptor is bound. Mm -hmm. That's what's, what's happening. But once it becomes un, unbound, uh, it should come back no issues. So let, let's go into a wellness plan and take uh, everybody through that. So it'll give you the definition of the symptomatic condition. Then I'll say you have multiple endocannabinoids and genotypes that could increase your risk of bruxism, which is, as I said, grind your teeth. It'll give you the ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes, but let's get into the science. So this is where it explains what genetic predispositions are. And there's a whole presentation on there. And then the important takeaways, uh, it doesn't test for all possible variants associated with bruxism, just some, DRD2, DRD3, and H2R2A, which are really important SNPs associated with that. Uh, so if you have, this says you have an uh, approximately two-fold higher risk of developing uh, sleep bruxism based on yeah. general population. So everything is supported by peer-reviewed references of PubMed or equivalent to PubMed. You'll get your gene, you get your where the location is, the SNP, and you'll get your genotype. And just for people to understand, generally, I, not to get really sciencey, but the genes communicate in four letters, just like uh, you know, just like um, our computers communicate in numbers. So a C, a T, an A, and a G. The combination of those nucleotides are our unique genotype, and that's really, really what makes us unique—the expression of our genotype. So that's ninety-nine point nine percent of us have the same genetics, but it's that 0.1% that really makes the difference, If it's uh, especially if it's expressed. And at the bottom of every report, there's an FAQ, so you can dig a little bit deeper on uh, what, what that means and how serotonin, how dopamine, how different things are involved. And then 
will go back to the suggestion. So it's telling you a one-to-one to one-to-five one CBD to THC ratio. And the reason why it's given a range a little bit, <clears throat> we don't know your experience with THC. So right. we always suggest people starting with a more balanced formulation than this. So one-to-one one CBD to THC. And then you can increase that uh, with a little bit higher THCs uh, as you continue consumption. Uh, for you, more of an experienced consumer, you may start with a little bit higher uh, THC. But also your secret sauce is myrcene and linalool, which are the terpene profiles that are associated with that. So if we go and to understand myrcene, it's the, uh, some people, if they smell cannabis and smell skunky, that's myrcene. That's that easily skunky kind of smell. And it's sedative. Yeah. So people that are associated indica, you know, indica dominant, uh, uh, cultivars or, or chemical varieties, they're associated with myrcene, which is also found in mangoes, but it, you probably have to eat like a hundred mangoes. So I wouldn't recommend, you know, <laughs> consuming that from there, get it from the plant. <clears throat> and then the other uh, terpene profile is linalool and linalool is found in lavender. It's a mm -hmm. very common terpene. So you're not, you're not just, you know, sedated, but you're also having that calming feeling and it actually has been shown to help um, to help with anxiety that's associated with THC. So if people have that feeling when they consume THC and they have that uh, feeling of anxiety and stress, linalool helps to kind of give you that, the calming uh, feeling as well. So that's your uh, secret sauce. And then if I'm going into your wellness plan, Let's go into, and there's five different wellness plants for five different symptomatic conditions. These are your summaries. So you don't have to spend a lot of time in like digging through the science. You can just click on the wellness plan and it'll give you a quick hit uh, before you go into a dispensary or you can associate that with products uh, through the marketplace too, but understanding what it is that you're feeling. So uh, if you want to address sleep, hey, you know, I'm having some sleep challenges, not sleeping as well as I should be. I'm going to click on my sleep uh, wellness plan and I'm going to go through that. So First, it's giving me two, my two genetic predispositions associated with sleep, which is bruxism and insomnia. Then it's going to summarize my, um, my THC side effects. And you have working memory impairments, you're only one, which is fine. Uh, if you take prescription medication, you can add those prescription medications in here. And you That's mentioned right. you know, Zoloft. Uh -huh. And I, I want to explain. So there are, there are different enzymatic pathways for metabolizing drugs and drug to drug interactions, pharmacogenomics. And if a drug uses the same pathway to metabolize it that another drug uses like cannabis, there could be an interaction. So one yeah. of them could be an inducer. It could actually induce the experience or an inhibitor. It can inhibit the experience. So we use three different pathways in, in our test, a CYP2C9, CYP2C19 and 3A4. Uh, and these CYP genes, they produce enzymes that help us metabolize something. So we looked at lactose. There's one for lactose. There's mm -hmm. one for gluten. And these are the specific ones for cannabinoids. So if your medication uses that pathway, with it'll have an interaction with a cannabinoid. Mm -hmm. If the medication is not on the drug interaction list, it does not mean that it won't have an interaction. It just doesn't use that pathway. But we always want to be careful not to take our prescription medication together with our phytocannabinoid. How yeah. stagger your consumption. How long you stagger for can also depend on how you metabolize. So you are an intermediate metabolizer of THC, 
but you're an ultra rapid metabolizer of CBD. I'm an ultra rapid metabolizer of CBD and you're probably normal of CBD and THC together. So if you're taking, this is an example, if you're taking like gummies, let's say, right? Gummies are very popular uh, to consume and a lot of gummies have isolated THC uh, because of the flavor profile. It's easier for them to have a distillate of THC in there. But if you're an intermediate metabolizer and you're only taking that gummy, well, guess what? Your onset may be a lot slower. It may mm -hmm. take a lot longer and it can increase the intensity of that experience as well. Yeah. But for me, I'm an ultra rapid meta metabolizer of CBD. <clears throat> and I've spoken to a bunch of people say, <laughs> you know, CBD is not really working for me. Well, how much do you take? I take like a half a drop or whatever it is. Well, I take the same amount and I don't feel anything either because I metabolize it really quickly. So you have mm -hmm. to increase your dosage. And if you're taking CBD and THC together as more of a full or broad spectrum, now you can metabolize that normally and have a normal experience like that is associated with that, that chemical variety instead of having an intensity of uh, what people report to with anxiety triggering with specifically edibles or metabolizing really slowly in, in your body. So we looked at, we know exactly how much to take because we're telling you if you're taking no change, no change of dosing if you're taking CBD and THC together, but mm -hmm. increase your dosing if you're taking just CBD and decrease uh, your dosing if you're taking uh, just THC. So now that you know what to take, how much to take, the other thing is where do you get it? And then where do you get it is we have a product marketplace <clears throat> that uses the test results of the actual products. And by the way, I want to let your audience know a lot of CBD products. So in the U.S. under the Hemp Act, 0.3% THC or less is, uh, is uh, legal and compliant under the Hemp Act. So if hemp-derived uh, you know, CBD or cannabinoids that are considered hemp are legal, most of the hemp products that you purchase are not tested. They don't have test mm -hmm. results. So why would people put into their bodies supplements that basically are not tested? Yeah. So make sure that your products have a certificate of analysis. And the yeah, way absolutely. all of our products and the way that we use our algorithm, we take that C of A from a third party, we run that to an through an algorithm, and we show you how closely the product matches the suggested ratio. So we can see, and it. there's products that are you know 0.3% THC, I'll show you it's an 82% match. Like, oh, uh, nice. And then you can purchase that through here. We don't sell products, but we link to uh, people that, that sell their products or companies, and you can purchase that and get it shipped to your home. Or if it's a product like this one, that's a one-to-one, -one, uh, it depends on the state. Uh, this one is uh, in California and, and Colorado and a couple other ones. They're connected to a delivery service, so you can actually see so cool. you know, how, how you get those products. And if you want flour, just as an example, not, we're not making any sort of recommendations on what people should consume, but mm -hmm. if you do want flour, flour is tricky mm. because flour is associated with, um, you have it's batch-specific. So if you're looking at flour and that profile of cannabis and terpenes should be in the name of the strain, then you want to make sure that you're checking the batch specific C of A. So we connected this to uh, Leafly, uh, for instance, nice. so you can see which dispensary closest to you should carry that specific chemical variety, but still definitely, definitely check the test results of that product. So 
pause to see if you have any questions, if you want to go back to anything, anything else that you would like me to review. And uh, <clears throat> just, just to summarize before we do that, everybody that takes this also gets a quick treatment plan. The treatment plan will suggest your specific products, give you a really quick uh, summary in a PDF that if a healthcare professional uses this, it'll integrate back into their electronic health record system. So look at their test results, just like they do the results of their blood work or anything else, mm -hmm. make a quick hit for you. So you'll get that. Yeah. Answer. No, my doctor told me to send him the results when I get them because he loves this stuff too, obviously. He's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank you so much for walking through this. I think this is so cool. This is like, it's like we're using science and technology to be able to biohack and like cater our wellness needs based on our genetics. And that's like, I think that is so cool, especially for people like my age who this, this, this didn't exist when we were young. So this is like really cool to see that you could do this stuff now. We're just scratching the surface. I mean, I, I, Come, I, I just came back from a, a trip and I went to a clinic where they're using genetics and we're, we're going to be doing whole, their whole genome sequencing, blood work and everything else to come up with natural killer cells that are specific to a diseased cell in the individual's bodies. They can make these cells and actually inject them and have them go into like a cancer cell and turn off the expression of that cancer cell. Wow. So precision medicine is really the future. And this one size fits all uh, that we're used to now yeah. in the healthcare system, that's going to be going away. Outdated. And we're doing the same thing. And the yeah. last part of our test is going to be the epigenetics. So you have a predisposition and how do we, right. how do we measure that that predisposition has been turned on? And that's the epigenetic test. So that's, uh, that's the next uh, phase of uh, our company. Well, thank you again, Len May from Endocana Health. It's so great to have you.